Okay, guys, it's 2023. What does that mean? Well, as much as I may want to resist going with the ye old New Year's resolutions, I do find that in January, I have a renewed sense of energy and desire to make some changes and get back on or just get on for the first time, the horse of health and well-being. Now, in the midst of our seventh season of Heal, I wanted to check in with you, my audience. What do you need now in your healing journey? What are your goals? What are you struggling with, dealing with, or even resigned to that you don't think will ever change? What has been there lingering in the background that you just don't want to drag into yet another year? I want to hear from you. I want to connect and be sure that we are delivering on the topics of information and inspiring stories to support you in your healing journey. When Kendra and I first crafted the idea for Heal, it definitely came out of my personal desire to put as much goodness and possibility of health and healing out into the world. And not actually here just to entertain you. My true heart's desire is that this show makes a difference in your life and supports you to take action to live health and heal. Also, I want to be sure that you know, I have a comprehensive deep dive medical health consulting practice where I meet with my clients virtually from all over the world, and I have room for you. Many people ask me if I'm taking new clients, and while I love that y'all think I'm book solid 100% of the time, actually, I want you to know I am available. I offer a free 30-minute exploration conversation to anyone interested in working with me to learn more about each other and how my approach may make a difference for you. Commonly, I work with people dealing with hormone issues, gut and digestive issues, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disorders, mold toxicity, chronic allergies, migraine headaches, insomnia, and people who have dealt with chronic anxiety and depression looking to support their body's biochemistry in addition to healing their emotional and mental challenges. While that may seem like quite a list, most of those diseases are connected and disorders are connected. So we will bridge the gap to bring it all together to elevate your health and your well-being and get your life back. I have a deeply intuitive and scientific-based approach. Yes, both. I bridge the worlds of coaching, spiritual energy healing, and doctoring to bring you the best tools you need to get your life and your health back as efficiently and effectively as possible. The early months of the new year come with an increasing light each day, bringing new vision, new motivation, and new energy. As the seeds you planted last summer and fall, deep beneath the soil are slowly waking up and gathering their power to sprout new futures this spring. This is the perfect time to take new action and create health and a pathway to healing. I'm here for you. If you have felt called to find out more about the possibility of working together, please reach out on my Connect page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com, and let's talk. Also, please contribute to the show with guest ideas or topic ideas or how-to guides or whatever it is that is going to make a difference for you this year in 2023. What do you want to learn about? What do you want to know about? What are you dealing with? You can shoot us an email on that same page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com slash connect. I love you guys. Heal wouldn't exist without you. Thanks so much. Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, we get to nerd out with a dear friend and client of mine, Liz Lund. 
Liz shares her own story of healing with polycystic ovarian syndrome, multiple joint injuries, and subsequent surgeries, her and her husband's journey with infertility, and what it took to create their family of five, all the while living a paleo-based, gluten-free lifestyle. How do you feed a family of five while you are gluten-free, lower carb, your husband who is fine with gluten and needs more carbs, and three growing children who each have their own individual food needs and sensitivities in a world of processed food and sugar? Well, Liz knows firsthand and is her own on-the-court expert for her family and loves supporting other parents in how to healthily feed their kids while staying sane. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. This is freaking the best, Liz Lund. Thank you so much for agreeing for me to put you in the hot seat and be like, I want to interview you. I'm so excited. So I want to create a little context of how you and I ended up here together having this conversation. You are a mom of three and married. And you also have had a history working in a pretty intense government job, which I'll let you share about. And one of the things that struck me the most when you first shared your story with me was how, you know, you've had a pretty badass career and also came to a point in your life where you realized like your true calling is being a mom. And so you have so much knowledge and wisdom to share about your own health journey and what so many people deal with, which is, okay, I know I need to make these changes for me. And I've got these four other people depending on me to support them and feed them. And there's school schedules and there's swim practice and there's all the things happening. Like how the F do you do it? And you are somebody that I just like, am always so amazed by the grace and also the flexibility that you bring to figure out how to take care of your family, to take care of your own health and you're a nerd, and you're a foodie, which kind of is like both of those things strike close to my heart, because I'm pretty nerdy, foodie, foodie, nerdy, whatever. You get the point. (laughs) I do. Um, And I am all of those nerdy, foodie things. Yeah. So I'm just super stoked to have you here and to get to share about, you know, your health journey, and then also particularly this whole thing of like, how do we feed ourselves and take care of our own health, and at the same time manage being moms, being dads, having families, all the ins and outs. Cause this is like so many of my clients come up against this stuff is like, yeah, if I was alone by myself in a silo, maybe, but then also there's this world around me. Yeah. Yeah. It's super hard. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's definitely more work on some level, but then you can develop systems that make it work for you. But so my story is I was always a really clean cut nerd, like total geek. I could study international relations all day and think it's super fun. That led me to a career with the federal government. I did some counterterrorism work, traveled overseas, worked with the military, was liaison, helped everybody. The theory is, is that if you have everybody playing the same sandbox, maybe we should talk to each other. So we, you know, are more efficient. But when the military and the civilian people work together, sometimes the jargon just fires everybody up and then nothing happens because everybody freaks out. So that was kind of my career background. I burnt out after a year in Afghanistan, traveled across the country, met my husband and fell madly in love and started on my journey in the Pacific Northwest. But health wise, it's always been kind of a struggle. So I've had injury after injury after injury. I've been 
I had back surgery at 25. I blew my back out in college at 19. I herniated a disc and attached to my spinal cord. By the time I was 25, it had deteriorated enough to have surgery. Then at 29, I had my ACL replaced and my left knee. And then at 32, I had the meniscus tear fixed. Then at 34, I had it fixed. No, wait, I don't know. I lose track sometimes. Uh, There's so many. (laughs) There's so many. So many. And then I also had all these fertility issues. So I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which makes me extra furry. It's super awesome. I could totally grow a beard. And I joke about it because I'm super self-conscious about it. And then that also comes with weight gain, which I've always managed. I like to eat and I like to eat well, and I like to eat a lot. I'm not going to lie. Food's pretty great. And if it tastes good, I want to eat that. But I learned to cook because I was living, I was like, I can't really probably shouldn't survive on Doritos and Diet Coke, mac and cheese. Like I'm either going to be really skinny and sick or really fat and sick, like one or the other probably not going to be like where I want to be. So I learned to cook, but I didn't really know much about healthy eating. I didn't know what my body You learned to cook and started to figure that stuff or begin that stuff out. I started to learn to cook at 16 while backpacking because I didn't want to do dishes. That's a really good change because usually whoever cooks doesn't have to do the dishes. And so you can just like back at it. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, in high school, I was rowing and I was super serious about it. And I was eating an insane amount of food. We've joked about this where it's like, I would eat when I woke up, I would have a snack in the middle of the day. Then I would have lunch, as much food as I could pack in. Then I would snack before practice, snack before dinner, eat dinner and snack before bed. And by snack, I mean like a meal. Like I would eat a bite. And on rowing team and also being a teenager, which teenagers can consume pretty large amounts of calories, their bodies are shifting. You could have been easily putting away 5,000 calories a day more. I tried. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was doing, doing my best in college. They put me on a 6,000 calorie per day diet because I got too skinny. It's really hard to eat 6,000 calories per day. It takes actually a lot of commitment. God, it sucked. It took all the fun out of it. And all the chewing. That's actually what I've heard from people is literally like, it's so much chewing. Can I just like blend everything so I don't have to chew so much? Just put it in the body. And I would make poor choices. I was like, well, Burger King's got a lot of calories. I can I can get a lot of calories in this way. Because you're in college and it's calories. And I didn't really think about the quality of calories. But whatever, I, I got up to the proper weight and you know, but then, you know, obviously I still, I never got my period regularly. And when I did, I would get it for like two weeks and it would be like the floodgates of hell have opened. It was horrible. And, uh, you know, I just, I didn't know. And the way they dealt with it was to put me on the birth control pill, which as we all know now has lots of fun, super special side effects. And sometimes it can be helpful in balancing PCOS and sometimes it can dig you in a deeper hole with PCOS. So it's like, can be really tricky. And they didn't know to diagnose me when I was 16 because I didn't get my period until I was 16, but I also had a full six pack and was on every sport team I could figure out how to get on. So they were like, well, she's just too thin for it, which 
and honestly, the research on women's health has come so far in the last like 20, 30 years. But we have so far so, to go. But yes, there was a lot less yeah. even understanding then than there is now. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So all of that kind of collated. I had so many surgeries. So I've had in total, I've had three knee surgeries, a back surgery, two shoulder surgeries. And I have now managed to tear the meniscus in both of my knees again on my left. And my right knee was my like my token single joint that I haven't jacked up. I checked that box. It decided to join in the fun. Mm -hmm. But along that way, after, let's see, obviously with PCOS, you a lot of times you have fertility issues. I met my husband later in life. We knew we were going to need help. So I did intrauterine insemination for a year with triggered ache droppage. There's probably a technical term that I have no idea, but ache droppage, thanks. And then that worked right after I made the appointment for IVF for my first son. Then for my second son, I was getting older. And so we did a round of IVF. We tried IUI just to see if maybe having a baby kicked the system into gear. Sometimes yep. it does. Yep. And then we tried IVF. Turns out I can hyperstimulate very easily, which means I make a whole crap ton of eggs mm-hmm. really fast. And they had to collect a bunch of eggs and two were fertilized, but they weren't viable. And so that didn't work. And then I went full paleo after that to kind of help my body recover from IVF. And it turns out that full paleo is just a really interesting thing. And I was talking to a nutritionalist and then all of a sudden I got my period every 28 days and dropped 30 pounds. I was like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. It's and so when was this? How old were you? Ish. 39 ish. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought, you know, look, I've had a baby. I'm older. Maybe this is kind of what my body will look like. Okay, cool. I'm going to own my squish. And then I dropped all this weight, which cool, whatever. But more importantly, dude, I got my period every 28 days. That's never happened in my entire life. At 38, I suddenly was getting my period regularly. And I was like, what's going on? So we decided to go back for another round of IVF. And they changed protocols. We had one viable embryo. It took, I have my beautiful baby Bastion. And when I was pregnant, I'm not like that glorious image of pregnant people. I puke the entire time. Oh, honey. Uh, and if you've had kids, you know that when you're pregnant and you puke, you pee yourself. It's awesome. It's super cool. There's nothing glamorous about it for me. But I'm also really tall. So like nobody knows. I just look bigger. So anyway, so we had this whole thing and I had my baby and I was like, you know, I'm not going to have the self-control to eat full paleo with a newborn and having the newborn in the NICU for 17 days like mm-hmm. I just there's no way I have and a toddler just, at home right and a toddler at yeah home. yeah like there's like I, I can do a lot but that's not that is that's nuts so I decided to go gluten-free and mostly dairy-free and lo and behold I got my period every 30 days which is a longer cycle than some people but whatever I was getting at. And, I was and like, that can be totally normal. Like we we've started to open up our 
everything has to be identical in every single person's body. Like 26 to 30 days can be normal for anybody yeah. just in the way that their body fluctuates. And so, yeah, you're still on par there. And I was like, okay, cool. And, but we thought my fertility issues were pretty deep rooted. And so about the time I started to recover from the second birth, cause I was 40 when I gave birth to my second kid. And I started biking to the grocery store, you know, kid in a trailer. And I'm like, I got to get it in. How am I going to do this? I'm going to put one in the trailer and the other one's going to be behind me. And it's holy moly. Right? But I, I didn't know how else to get going. And so then I got pregnant with my third kid. And mind you, while trying for my second kid, I stopped counting at eight miscarriages. Yeah. It was awful. I would get pregnant just enough to get a positive or, you know, like at this point, you know, your body is trying to be pregnant and it just, it just didn't work. My heart just couldn't take, I could not take counting anymore. I just, I just was like, it is what it is. I had a whole discussion with the fertility team to say, Please don't call it a chemical pregnancy. Just say it was a pregnancy because a chemical pregnancy completely invalidated yeah. all the emotions. The heart, the spirit, the, 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 yeah. the relational component. Yeah. The soul connection, exactly. all of that. Yep. Exactly. It was, and I was like, I, I am grieving. And, and on top of all of that, it freaking hurts. Yeah. Like you think period cramps are bad, dude. It ain't nothing on the miscarriage. And I mean, there's there's trauma involved with that. I get it. I didn't know, but I passed the blastocyst into the toilet. I had no idea that's what it was. Flush it. Still makes me cry to think about it because mm-hmm. I would love to have had some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of a, a closure or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something. like yeah. something that feels more loving or I don't know. Acknowledging. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not like, you know, down goes the goldfish. It's just, it was really awful, but I know I'm not the only one who's done that. And you just don't know. And I had to kind of get over that part of where you're like, I just didn't know what was going on. I knew I was miscarrying, but I didn't know what that was. And so then, you know, we go through all of this. So then when I get pregnant with my third kid at 41 I was like there's no flipping way there's no way like I took the pregnancy test because I wanted to drink a glass of wine that night and not feel guilty and I was like I swear I called my sister it's four in the morning because you have to wait all night to pee and at four in the morning I couldn't hold it anymore and I called her and she said the first 10 minutes of the conversation was me just saying oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my oh my god and she's like oh my God, what's happening? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. And she's like, what? Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and then we have to figure out, like I'm older. I've had a lot of damage. My middle son created a lot of damage during birth because he was in major distress. So he had to get out. Yeah. 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 It was a level three tear. So there was like seven. Uh, Yeah. Yep. But, you know, he wasn't breathing right. And he inhaled meconium on the way out. And you do what you got to do. Yeah. He needed to be born. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, do we? And it turns out being born kind of squishes it a little bit. So it helped him breathe better, which I had no idea. 
I didn't know, you know, this was my second kid. I asked the midwife, what do I do? You cut if you need to cut, push if I need to push. I'm cool, but you've done, this is your job to tell me what to do. And they're like, what do you feel? And I'm like, I feel like you need to tell me what to do. And they're going, okay, well, let's give it a shot, push. And I'm like, okay, here he goes. And then, you know, you have to make that decision. And I knew having gone through all of those miscarriages, I could not do anything other than welcome this new life into our world. Because I, I just couldn't, my heart couldn't do it. Yeah. So, but I still spent four months going, there's no way this is going to stick. There's absolutely no way. None, none. I mean, I'd been on progesterone to maintain the pregnancies, all of that. And so this was a hundred percent natural surprise pregnancy, right? hundred mm-hmm. percent. Even the midwives were like, there's no way you're going to get pregnant again. The doctors were like, there's no way. And everybody's like, oh, you know how that happens, right? And I was like, yeah, I go to the doctor for two years. It's how it happens. Yeah. Or apparently I cut gluten out of my diet. That's it. Right. And so then I was like, I guess I, I got to stay gluten free. Well, now I have two kids and a newborn and I'm trying to figure out how to feed these little people. And yourself occasionally, at least every once in a while you get to be fed. Right. Well, and I laugh because it's like, I always lose a whole bunch of weight right after I give birth because you're too tired to eat. You're like, do I sleep or eat? You know, I'm going to sleep. Yep. And then, you know, I wasn't able to nurse, so I never had that. So we did formula. So, but my husband has, you know, he works a, a regular job. So he works during the day. And so the deal was during the week, I did mi- the middle of the night feedings. Holy moly. Doing this at 42 ain't no joke, man. Yeah. And there's still all kinds of damage done that I'm still trying to heal from that. Like the diastasis is still healing. And And how old is your youngest now? She's five. Yeah. And there's still some work there that's been happening. Like you've been working with physical therapists and all that. Although I want to also just put a plug in that there are some conversations out there that diastasis recti diastasis recti yeah I really (laughs) am a doctor I swear I can speak medically (laughs) is some people will say like well you just have to learn to live with it you do not have to learn to live with it there are people who specialize in it and it can be healed at any point in time and it might take something as you've discovered but you've had huge improvement I have it was seven inches long and three fingers wide and very deep and I mean, granted, I'm not five one, but still, and I've had back surgery and knee surgery. So this was something that was really important to try to heal because all of those stability things, yeah. I can't keep that support for my knees and hips and back if I can't have my core. Well, obviously your core is not going to function correctly because it's got a three inch gap in it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a reason why we call it our core. Like as in the core right. of us, our, right. our like essential strength of who we are, you know, it, it's like, that's, it's important. It's really important. It's, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and I, how is it now? I am down to like a small pinky finger thinking and like a little, like I would say like a half an inch to an inch, somewhere around there. Yeah. It has taken me a long time though. And yeah. They have like the physical therapist that I found has a technique where they use kinesio tape and they 
pull it together. But because my body's super special. Special, I got is allergic. that what we're calling it? <laughs> that's a good, that's yes. a good reframe. I like it. Yep. <laughs> um, working on reframing how I think about my body. Yeah. Good. And so anyway, my skin reacted to the tape. So I couldn't wear the tape. So I had to wear a brace. But then they had me wearing a hip brace and a waist brace. But I'm shaped like my natural shape when I'm strong and stuff is like a freaking Barbie doll. So all everything did was just make a dive bomb for my waist. So it's taken long because I couldn't get any of these braces to stay where they were supposed to stay because everything went. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So it is what it is, but it's healing. It's just taking forever. Yeah. So here you are, you've got two toddlers and a newborn and yeah. you're trying to work out feeding yourself, feeding the family, nursing schedule or feeding oh, schedule God. with the formula. Yeah. yeah. It was nuts. It was nuts. I mean, I, and people talk about it. It's like, it's the most precious time. It goes so fast. And I'm like, it goes so fast because you're awake for the equivalent of a year during a four month period. You just don't sleep, but it does you know, we worked it out. Like I started, I want to say I started meal planning a little bit after that. And it, and it was a game changer. I had no Mm. idea what a game changer it would be. I felt really uptight and anal to meal plan. I was like, I don't want to put structures on this. I want to be a little bit more organic. Dude. No, I, I, I mean, I just, I've coached so many people around food and nutrition and, and just my own. I mean, I went I went full paleo in 2005 and then I've been somewhere between 60 and 75% paleo for the last 10 years. But, you know, it's like, and it's not about paleo pick, pick whatever works for people, right? If you're on, you know, right. if you're more right. towards Mediterranean or more towards vegan or vegetarian or whatever actually works for people. But in today's world, for most of us, it's like, would you ever get your work done if you had no work schedule? Like if there was no time you had to be at work and no time you had to mm-hmm. leave work and like people who have more flexibility, they're like, it's hard. I have to like set myself up to make sure I go to work. I do. Meal planning has been like that. And it's one of those, like when my clients surrender to it, when I surrender to it, it just freaking works. It does. And then like I, I learned, but I didn't want to do it for years. But it was so stressful and I was always forgetting something at the grocery store. And oh, and by the way, I had to be gluten-free, but my husband, when he eats gluten food, feels awful. Gluten-free, like, so I can't get like, okay, fine, cool, gluten-free pasta. I can eat it. Husband can't eat it. It makes his stomach hurt. Gluten-free bread, same thing, right? So I can't, like, even if I go and I make my own gluten-free bread. And then for a while there, my now 11-year-old started puking every time he ate gluten but he obviously is a growing kid so he's going to need more carbs I don't really need more carbs I mean honestly like I just don't need them that much but he's growing and and so and and then my middle one has some sensory and ADD type symptoms and so we took him off gluten to help deal with the brain fog and so okay so there's that so then my husband and my daughter eat gluten I'm trying to eat minimal carbs and my two sons are gluten-free but need the carbs 
but need the carbs. It was it was really hard. And the only way I could manage it was starting to do the meal planning. And then once and then and then the pandemic hit. And we decided to homeschool during this because I couldn't handle the anxiety of the Zoom classes. I mean, nine-year-old boys just sat around and made fart noises on the Zoom. Which oh, I was God. like, this offends my nerves. <laughs> they did. They were, yeah. And I was like, oh, God. I, I mean, like, I know you're nine and you're supposed to do this. But my my inner nerd was like, I, I, I can't watch you do this. Yeah. This is brutal. Yeah. And, and then preschool on zoom i mean bless their hearts the teachers totally tried yeah and then i had a toddler running around at the same time and i was just like i'm gonna lose my mind like trying to do zooms and manage this plus teaching i just was like screw it i'm just gonna teach them i'm gonna figure this out i bought a whole curriculum and then for two years we homeschooled and it was great it was it was the right thing to do and now they're all back in school and i slept for a month as soon as school started yeah <laughs> i was really tired <laughs> Yeah. So we've started to talk about meal planning. We've kind of like, I thank you so much for all of just sharing your story and your vulnerability in it, because I think it's just, you know, there. I'm doing the shameless plug for something I haven't read yet. So here's my, my precursor, <laughs> but, but I've talked about Gabor Mate a lot on the podcast. He's one of my favorite MD authors mm-hmm. and speakers. And he has a new book called The Myth of Normal, which is on my reading list. I just have to finish the 10 books I'm reading right now before I get to it. And, <laughs> as as I am. Yeah. And so I suspect, and I've listened to many of his podcasts and things that he's talked about about it is is like, you know, he's he's speaking particularly in a world of a lot about our our mental illness and addiction and all of those pieces of like, what does it mean to be a normal human? Well, the we don't even have a good reference for that anymore because it's so, I mean, we can't do toxicity studies the way we want to do research because there is no control group. There is nobody that hasn't been impacted by, so we can't, you can't have a control group and then the toxic load group in it's impossible. Like, so, so he talks about the myth of normal and it's something I've actually been saying my whole practice, which is like before hashtags were a thing, it would have been like hashtag new normal, (laughs) right? Is like, it is. We, what we, what we say is normal is often average. It's what everybody deals with, but it's not like optimal physiology or optimal health. It's just what is there. And so we look out in the world and I mean, you have had quite a journey, but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that, you know, and when, and you can answer this, but like when you went in to see a medical doctor and said, I'm not feeling good, I'm dealing with this. How did that go? Poorly. So I went in and older gentleman, really nice and has been great on other things. I went in and I was like, dude, I am so tired. Like I am at a level of tired. Something is wrong. And he said, well, how old are your kids again? And I gave him the ages. I think Kaylee was like two, which made Bastion three and a half, and Tristan was seven. And he was like, oh, I'm tired just hearing it. And I was just like, wow. I, all right, well, let me rephrase this. I almost fell asleep at the stoplight. All the kids were in the car. So something's wrong. Yeah. Want to help me out? And it's not to like single any particular person out. Right. But this is, these are the conversations we need to be willing to have to say like as a community, as a collective of humanity, but then also particularly as medical professionals, we have to stop doing that. Like 
invalidating men and women, women in particular, when what their primary complaint is, the energy systems in my body are shutting down and I have brain fog Mm -hmm. and I'm having memory issues and my hormones are out of balance. And I can see that there are things changing my body that I know my body, Mm -hmm. I know how it's supposed to operate. And the tendency to just dismiss that is like, well, of course you're tired. You've got three kids under the age of eight, you know, like, it's like, and it was, it was so disheartening. And I, and then it was only later that I got pissed, right? Because that's me, right? At first, I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. And then I was like, hey, wait a minute now. Like, come on. And I'm on antidepressants. I've been on them for years. I have postpartum depression. And it shows up as anxiety, which gets your adrenals going. And I am excellent at worrying about random shit that you don't have to worry about. Like, <laughs> totally excellent at it. One of my skill sets. Yep. Shouldn't be, but I am. And when my depression gets low or high, and then I worry about random stuff. And so, you know, they look at that and I, you know, should we up that? And I was like, I feel like it's not a depression issue. I feel like there's other things going on and I don't know what they are because I don't have a medical degree. That's, that's your thing. Yep. Yep. So... That was more or less when you and I met. Yeah. Pretty close. I was like, well, that's not going to (laughs) work. Yeah. Through a mutual friend who knows Mm -hmm. me very well. And he connected me to you. And we were able to start to like unravel. And I mean, I will let you share about your own medical story. But but I'm not sitting over here with any clear like we ran autoimmune panels. We ran a bunch of testing. Like there Mm -hmm. hasn't been a super clear like we can point to this is it. But we've been doing work on helping your body detoxify and helping your GI tract heal and just working on optimizing yep. as much physiology as we can. And we're making progress. We are, you know, I mean, like when I spent a year in Afghanistan, I had a Girardia for gosh, like four or five months. I did have one PA tell me, you know, that you can get diarrhea from cramps. And I of course hadn't slept in like a day and a half at that point. And I was like, go get a fucking doctor. <laughs> I get that you just read this in your medical textbook, but dude, I'm 30. I know what happened. This ain't it. <laughs> yeah. I have GRU. Um, yeah. And I didn't know. I had no idea what that was. You know, I mean, and it was only later that we figured it out, but they had to give me flagell to get rid of it. And it took me a year to be able to eat salad. And obviously it's a stressful situation. I mean, you're living in a war zone, but uh, yeah. So there was that. <laughs> And I've always had diarrhea. I used to call it the Liz Geiger diet plan. <laughs> Turns out I was probably eating gluten and cheese. <laughs> that, that too. And like, I, you know, I have arthritis and all of these other issues. And it, it's been interesting. You know, my arthritis goes away when I'm gluten free. My depression eases when I eat a very high protein diet because you don't have the blood sugar crashes. Okay, check, got that, you know, and it turns out that for my kids, when I have them on a low sugar, relatively speaking, a low sugar diet plan, they don't turn into punks very often. And I don't have those meltdowns and the world's not ending nearly as often. And people have said my kids are mellow, which I crack up because I'm like, they are not mellow, but they're also not on a sugar high all the time or crashing or dealing the crashes. Yep, exactly. Yep. 
And yeah. I'm, I'm totally the neurotic parent on that one. So let's transition into that. Like, ha, ha, ha. I mean, I'll be hand raised. I am not married and I don't have kids, which somewhat allows me to work the way that I do. And you're welcome. <laughs> and I can be here to make a difference for the people, you know, but like, like, so how, how do you do it? How has it been? Like, what are the tips, the tricks? What have you figured out about how it works to be able to take care of your well-being and the well-being of your family with what for many people is the big challenge of trying to eliminate gluten or reduce carbs or keep the dairy and the sugar out? It's hard. I can say it started with meal planning. And because I couldn't nurse, I started making baby food. And it turns out I have this really incredibly supportive husband who's like, I'll help you can the baby food. So I literally had like little teeny jars of canned baby food because we stayed up late one night drinking wine and canning baby That's food. That's awesome. Because <laughs> we're cool like that. But I, it was so it was easier for me on some level because my kids got to learn what real food tastes like. And I was like, I don't understand all the stuff that's in the formula. So I'm more comfortable feeding you real food earlier on than some people would be because then, so then like they started out that way. So I don't have to teach my kids that. So that makes it a lot easier for me. I know that you can. Yep. We've definitely, when we visit the grandparents, it all goes to hell. They get whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Are there nothing I can do or say that Nana won't be like, sure, <laughs> so give them whatever they want. But that even when they were teeny, I had them on a schedule. So I had them on a feeding schedule and I will randomly find them written out in different places around mm -hmm. the house still because then their body can regulate better. They don't have that food anxiety. They know it's coming. They know they're never going to get super hungry. And then what I did when they were toddlers and they were eating real food, people thought I was nuts. And I am for sure, but it worked. And it is that I fed them a high protein diet and I made sure that they had carbs. So like when they were teething, I did boiled eggs. It's cold, it's squishy, it's easy. And they're hungry, you know, whole fat yogurt, that kind of stuff that's really easy to eat, but fills those little bellies because they're hungry and their face hurts. So they don't want to eat stuff that you've got to work at. They just want to not be hungry. So I was like, how can I do this in different ways? And I started researching that kind of stuff. As they get older, it gets more complicated and easier, but the quantity starts shifting, you know? So like now they're trained, like you don't ever have to ask. Though they do sometimes, can I have an apple or a banana or one of my kids said, can I have some celery? Because they had seen me gnawing on a celery stick the other day. And I was like, honey, you can eat all the celery you want. Like, Knock yourself it. out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you eat it all, I will get more. Yep. But like, if it, for me, in terms of like the packaged food snacks, as for when we travel, we're out in the car. I always have snacks in the car. But I purchased the snacks. So I get like made good snacks. They have a little high sugary, but they're okay. Kind bars. We can do nuts in my family. So that's a little bit easier for me. Trail mix. If I can get them, I'll get them a jerky of some kind. So I found like Duke's jerky has less junk in it. Yeah. So I do the label reading partially because I don't want to eat that. But also because with my middle kid, if you 
puked, then I was going to want to know. And they sneak gluten into all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, and when there are any sort of sensory stuff, they tend to be sensitive emotionally sensitive chemically. And so they're going to have often a harder time. I'm not a pediatrician, but I've I've definitely been around the block on this one of like where you can reduce the chemical input if you can and keep it as simple and whole foods as possible. It, you, you have a different kid. Like they, I mean, and I actually think that's true with all children. Children are like the canaries in the coal mine. They are the litmus test. Like if it makes them go nutta nutto, you can only imagine what it's doing to us, but you know, it, you can, you can, and the thing is, is like, if it's in their diets all the time, it's harder to tell if mm-hmm. it's not in their mm-hmm. diet and you put it in once you can literally see it's it really like obvious. in sometimes 45 minutes or less, like, or you less. know, like it can be really quick and really obvious. And you're like, Oh yeah, that was your body reacting to something. Well, and here I have like these three incredible sweet they're so sweet. I love my kids. I'm totally biased, but I love them anyway. And then I fed them like, okay, I'm going to let you have a treat, you know? And I fed them some candy and I was like, holy crap, you're an asshole. Just like that. Where did this come from? Yeah. And it took 20 minutes. And then they like cycled through it. The bonus part with kids is that their little metabolisms are so fast mm-hmm. that you'll see it. Then they go through it, then they crash and then they're, it's done. So now we're pretty strict on that but also because you don't need that in your diet you know one of the things that i learned is that by cutting out the sugar based on our conversations like yours and my conversations is that everything tastes better if you don't have sugar and stuff that piece of fruit is so good it's so good like that strawberry is going to be like the best strawberry you've ever had it changes our taste buds like processed Mm -hmm. food and and look if you think you're going to be able to outsmart the now almost 75 plus years of chemical engineering that has gone in to make sure that these foods are ridiculously addictive for us to just keep eating them and keep, I mean, like, and this isn't even like, this is well known. There are food scientists, it that literally it's their PhDs is what they do. They make sure that you go in for one chip and you keep going. Now, one of the interesting things that have people slow down with, with processed food is because I tell everyone you need to chew each bite 31 times. And if you're eating whole food, it like actually gets sweeter and better because as it breaks down in your mouth, you actually start to get more and more flavor out of it, more chemicals release, more of the the glucose breaks down, like you actually like it gets tastier. Pick a processed food, any processed food, anything that's made out of flour came out of a box or a package and chew it 31 times. That's so disgusting. Exactly. It gets gross. (laughs) All the flavor, like if you take a Dorito, I probably shouldn't have said a specific brand name, but whatever. If you take a chip that is covered in salt and flavor and chew it 31 times, it gets bitter. You actually will be able to taste the chemicals that are in it the longer it's in your mouth because all the initial hit on your taste buds and in your in your mouth start to go away and you literally mm. are tasting the real truth of that food. But they bank on the fact that you're not going to chew it very much. It just goes in and a couple crunches and you swallow and it's gone. Yeah. And you literally have to break up with the foods you do. to have your body shift. And the good news is you get new taste buds every 14 days. So one of the areas of our body that, you know, our GI tract turns over really fast. The interior, the first layer of the innermost intestines, every three days it sloughs off. I know we think that our poop is undigested food, but it's not. One third of your poop are dead skin cells. 
one third of your poop is bacteria and then one third of your poop is food byproducts. You're welcome. Now you know that fact, <laughs> but it's, it's actually kind of interesting, right? You know, right. And, and is like, that's good. We want that part of our body. Yes. You know, you get new skin every 30 days, right? Well, taste buds, it's around two weeks. And there can be some other aspects of chemical dependency and things, but I really do find, and, and with sugar, I, so many things, I'm always standing in some semblance of moderation, like the 80, 20 rule, the 90, 10 rule, like you can phase it out. Sugar is one. I just, this is personal experience with my clients. If you don't go a hundred percent zero, you never unhook. And like the hundred percent may not be like, sauces or salad dressings because there is a lot of sugar or like ketchup ketchup is high fructose corn syrup it is so frustrating you know there are there's sugar in so many or high fructose corn syrup in so many things that we use as condiments that yep. we use you know and yeah. and if you really want to take it on go 100 percent zero even there and see how your body changes and there's already a program that exists called the whole 30 i have no financial connection to it, but I actually do know one of the creators of it, Dallas Hartwig. And Melissa Hartwig runs the Whole30 now, and it's a world of resources. It's an amazing, amazing resource to go and do a challenge of full paleo and go 100% no sugar at all. And there's Whole30 brand sauces now at Whole Foods. There's Whole30 brand salad dressings. Like they've actually like Whole30 approved a bunch of different things that are like, and you actually can feel like, I've done zero sugar for my nervous system. Like I just needed to stop putting my foot on the gas everywhere. And I went off of caffeine and I went off of sugar and have been a bit dumbfounded, even for me and sitting where I am, knowing all this stuff, (laughs) knowing it is different than experiencing it. And it's been this amazing journey for me. And I've been pretty much, I haven't been a hundred percent zero since November 1st, but since November 1st, several months now, I've dramatically reduced the caffeine and sugar in my life and I've not yeah. been doing any alcohol at all. And it's like so fascinating to see how my physiology has shifted, how my sense of anxiety yeah. has shifted, how my, so many things, right? And so many things. And when it comes to kids, if we can reduce the white flour based foods, processed foods with chemicals and sugar, you will actually discover you have a different kid. And when it comes to childhood anxiety, learning challenges, difficulty concentrating at school, those, I mean, I know it seems like it's so hard, but it's when you don't have the challenges of the behavior with your kid, it gets a lot easier. It really does. And I think that's the thing that we just, you kind of have to make that mental shift, right? Where you're like, I can't do this. I just can't. And so for me with the kids, like, I don't try to keep my kids off all sugar and I'm not going to make homemade ranch dressing all the time. However, I will buy a good ranch dressing that has less junk in it. And I recognize the ingredients and I will buy, I found that ketchup, if you get the organic ketchup or the whole foods brand ketchup, it doesn't have high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. They tend to put cane sugar in it. Yeah. Which, you know, fine. Um, so, I mean, there's things like that. So like Whole Foods has been a really great resource. It's not next to my house. So I don't always go there. I found the brands that like work really well for my family. Everybody likes them. Ironically, Frank's hot sauce. You know what's in that? Hot sauce. Yeah. It's That's like it. vinegar and spices. There's yeah. like nothing to no, it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's delicious. 
And um, other resource just for people, Thrive Marketplace, which also yes. I have no financial to any of this. And if I did, I'd just tell you, but I don't. And then Misfits Market. And that's one that my sister's used a lot. I haven't used it, but she was feeding a whole household. And Misfits Market has a lot of times all kinds of organic foods and mm-hmm. they you can actually get produce from them as well. And it's like the rejects. It's the, this strawberry wasn't cute enough to make it all the way to the actual grocery store, but it's still a really good strawberry. And we should not shame the strawberry for having a defect. Right. And so you can get them at a reduced cost and you can literally get it mail ordered. And, you know, I just, while we're on the list, I might as well say, Two of my other favorite resources for really diving in deep on nourishing your family and and eating whole foods from a way that's good for the earth too is eatlocal.org and eatwild.com. I'm almost positive it's .org and .com. That way we will have these notes in the show notes. Um, eatlocal.org is a like national resource for farmers markets and resources around farmers markets and things that you can get there and when they're happening and where they're happening in your area, which, you know, it's the middle of winter right now, but we even have a public market here that like, it's definitely a lot of the foods from the public market are coming from the markets in New York city and they're not actually organic farmer market, but there's still a level of, you have less middlemen, you're putting more money into the, into the economy and I can make all kinds of requests of them. And there's a ton of really good meat, which is the thing about eat wild eatwild.com is a national resource of farmers who may not necessarily have a Yelp page, but they are doing grass-fed turkey, grass-fed chicken, or or pasture-raised chicken. They're doing grass-fed beef, lamb, sheep, all kinds of things. And you can find in your local area, like I have a chest freezer. And one of the things I do is I go buy meat in quantity that I feel good about, that I feel like was taken care of and raised properly and actually like had a humane life. And then Mm -hmm. it's less chemicals, that's less pharmaceuticals going into my body because the major use of antibiotics in this country is not human consumption. It goes into livestock. The majority of antibiotics goes in livestock. We have an issue around human growth hormone and growth hormones that go in. And and also we could have a whole nother show. Oh my God, right? About the dairy industry inherently dairy should be manna from heaven. Although there is the question of like, are we still ever supposed to be able to ingest like milk beyond our first three to four years of life? Many kids are fine with dairy products until they're about three or four. And then they transition to being more and more lactose intolerant. So it's something that can change. But the dairy industry as a whole Those cows are forced to stay pregnant and be in a state of almost near pregnancy their entire existence. It's taxing to their such a horrible person. (laughs) If you were pregnant all the time for five years straight, right? I mean, oh, I'm now Mm -hmm. going to become evil cow and come after you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know. I mean, honestly, like I do worry about that kind of stuff, but then I also have three kids to feed and- I just do the best I can. Exactly. So like, I do Costco the same thing. milk is okay. Mm-hmm. I try to buy organic milk because it has, and they, you know, they say all over it, no, our, you know, the growth hormone, I think it's RBSD, RGH. but yeah, yeah. That one. And we get a lot of our meat at Costco. I do the best I can, but I mean, my five-year-old will eat a full-size person portion of steak. Yeah okay that's what her body told her she needed so let's and you know and the chest freezer for me that's the big thing is when it comes to meal planning 
you buy the best quality meat that you can afford and put it in the freezer in portions. So like you just, you and, and you meal plan based on that. And then there's things that you can do. Like if you eat beans, get dried beans, they go a lot further. And honestly, they're tasty. And if you have the bean issue, you soak them overnight with a little bit of vinegar. And it helps like reduce tablespoon. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It does. It's great. Even I can and, eat them now. And it is like an extra step to remember to soak your beans, but it it's actually so much better for you because canned beans, the phytates, which are part of what a lot of people have a hard time with because they're an anti-nutrient, it builds up because they're sitting in their juices over time and you get more and sense. more of it. And so if some people who are like actually trying to be on the gaps diet or on low FODMAP diet, like beans are out for many of them. Mm. But as you reintroduce, reintroduce from dried beans that you soaked and cooked yourself versus the canned beans. And you may actually Mm -hmm. find that your body tolerates it better. And those are a great source of fiber. Like I go back and forth because I was raised vegetarian. I mean, beans were my life. (laughs) And then I was like on strict paleo for five, well, six years total until I kind of shifted. And I still don't do a lot of beans because I have this thing in the back of my head about them. But like, I actually think they can be like, there's no, I don't, I don't want to demonize any food ever. Right. Like it's not, that's not the point. It's like, and there's a lot of where I start my clients, the base I start them on because we can heal and rebuild the system from there. But then some people add stuff back in and it works for them as we add it in. So that's another great tip. Yeah. There's little things like lentils. You only have to soak for a couple of hours. Yep. It's not a black bean where you got to soak it overnight. Right. Like, so there's things like that. You like, you get the little beans or I, I like a good slow cooker. My oven's on the fritz right now, but I've used my oven for a lot of it. You know, things like that, like the low and slow, like on a busy lifestyle. Like if we know when I'm doing my meal planning, I know that Wednesdays are usually a little bit bonkers for us. We have cub scouts and other things going on and i'm a leader for a den and you know my kids are in dens and then my oldest is helping and my husband's the cub master and we're just kind of all over the place right wednesday is not the night for a complicated meal it's just not if i have doctor's appointment or physical therapy or things like that i plan accordingly for those things so and and i block that time out for it Ideally, I would prep the night before, but realistically, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And then when I do meal planning, the other thing that I've had to learn is that I have to add in a separate meal plan for lunches. Mm -hmm. Because I keep thinking there's going to be leftovers, but then a growth spurt (laughs) hits and I'm there's no leftovers. Yeah. I'm like, shoot, that was the okay. Here we go. Yep. Like I made chicken cashew. I made I doubled the recipe for chicken cashew. I had half a cup for Mm -hmm. lunch the next day. Mm -hmm. They devoured it. Yeah. They ate it all. Yeah. (laughs) And roasted broccoli. There was none of that left. That was my fault. (laughs) Because I just. And they can hear their people are like, these would be such good problems to have. But like, (laughs) yeah, I, and it, and look, like Liz didn't do it overnight. I didn't do it overnight. It, Mm -mm. it it was reprogramming my brain. I mean, I literally used to eat a completely different diet and then I switched over and, and, and I will start with the basics and then I'll move on. You know, I didn't have a chest freezer. Well, 
I got a chest freezer pretty early on because a friend of mine was like, I'm going to get a cow. Do you want one? And I was like, and we, my ex-husband at the time, husband at the time, now my ex-husband, he and I, we got a half a cow. And I can tell you that is so much meat for two people. We had a lot of dinner parties and we gave a lot of it away, but that's been something that makes a difference for me because if I invest in a quarter of a cow or a half a cow, Mm -hmm. there's also this part of my brain that's like, well, I've spent the money. So I actually, it, it makes me think of it more often. I work to make sure I'm using it more. And then it just, it took time to learn. I got a cookbook that I loved and started to figure it out. Shameless plug. I do make money off of this, although not very much. I have a cookbook, Food That Grows. We haven't talked about it a lot on this show, but it's on my website. You can get it on Amazon. And, you know, my business partner at the time, Tanda Cook, also an extraordinary naturopath, an amazing chef. She's done a lot of her practice around food. She's been on the show you know, we've talked a lot about food and it's like, you know, a place to start is like, just get one thing. There's so many resources that sometimes you can make yourself completely nuts. And so, you know, that's another aspect. Like some of my favorites I recommend all the time is well-fed. That's one of my favorite cookbooks. I didn't know how to cook meat. So my mom of all people actually got me the meat cookbook. Like that's what it's called. The meat cookbook. (laughs) And what I loved is like, and I do like figuring stuff out and learning about things is the first hundred pages are all of this information about how to know what cut is what, how, why we use different cooking techniques, what the difference it's... between braising and grilling and roasting. And, and it was like, once I started to understand why recipes worked the way they did, it got a lot yes. easier to interact with them and less intimidating. It did. And there's tricks that you learn like, okay, so this is the thing. Like I grew up with my dad and mom both cooked. It was a financial decision. We couldn't afford to eat out. So we didn't. Right. So what do you do? You take the spices and you're like, is this going to go in the meat? And you take the two things, the spice jars, and you smell it really fast next to each other. Yes or no. If they smell really weird together, they're probably going to taste really weird together. Yep. That's, I mean, it's, but it's, you know, it takes time, right? Yeah, totally. And, you know, like I, my kids will cook their own eggs now. Not the five-year-old. I do have some limits. But, you know, I, I, I'm teaching them to cook because then they eat it, right? Yeah. And so if they have that ownership, then they'll, they're more likely to eat it. And then instead of letting them get the packaged foods, which we, we have, of course we have, but I say, we'll get an apple or get a cucumber. So, you know, I mean, then it's not instinctive and they would still rather have the the trail mix but that's for when we're out and about because if I have and I've done this I opened up my stroller and I I pulled out a Ziploc bag and it literally was like puce goo and it was I have no idea what healthy snack I tucked into the stroller oh yeah but it was like a paste that Oh my yep. God. It was so gross. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, we're not doing that again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then the totally. on the go snacks were things that would not be science experiments. Yeah. That's probably better. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And go. it's, it's just start where you are one step yeah. at a time. And that's where you and I have talked about what's yeah. next for you. The kids are in school. You actually have some new space And Mm -hmm. one of your passions is supporting people around how to eat healthy and how to actually make this work. It is. It is. And I'm setting it up. My husband, again, I don't, there's no way I would do this without him. I have the content. I can help you cook. I can help you do these things. The business side of stuff, no freaking clue. Um, 
but he's got an MBA, so you know that works. Yay! But I'm I am writing down recipes and easy recipes, and my goal is to be able to have these recipes on demand so that somebody can be like, how do I meal plan? And I'm like, well, these are the websites that I go to. These are the recipes that I have. Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution Cookbook is stellar for a single person or two people. I triple the recipes for my family, but that's fine. You can do that. Yep. That's a math thing to do. And, you know, like I, I'm, I'm willing to start taking some clients on to help them do these things because I get it. Like it's a lot. Yeah. And I, I did it in community. I had friends helping. We were oh. all kind of in the, the soup together. There were three of us mm-hmm. that had all been vegetarian and we were all stepping into this new space together and we had a group of friends and, you know, yeah. it was, it was, I mean, I did it during med school. I didn't have toddlers, but I did have an 85 hour a week schedule and yep. often was doing stuff all weekend. And that's that I meal planned from the beginning because I literally just wouldn't have eaten. I don't know what I would have run off of, but it wouldn't have happened. Like I had Coffee. class starting at seven in the morning <laughs> and I usually got home between seven thirty and nine thirty at night. Yeah. So it was like, if I did, and I would do two hours on Sunday and I would do everything all at once and set it up. And that just came out of pure necessity. And then right. I got in the habit. If I had I tried to of- do this when I wasn't in med school, I don't know if I would have built the habits as cl- as cleanly as I did. Just, I had to do it. Yeah. I see a lot of people do the meal prep for the week and that's awesome. I still have to go grocery shopping for vegetables in the middle of the week for yeah. a very vegetable heavy family. And so I just, I I can't to me that's too hard but which is awesome because you found your own way and that's where it's like we don't have to have the like this is the only way the optimal way that was what worked for me I was also mostly feeding myself and occasionally feeding my partner because he had jobs where he wasn't home a lot so it was like that that was you know my situation right and we did create something i'm just going to throw out there this might not work for everybody especially now so many people are working from home but we had a food group at school where there were five of us and each one of us had one day a week that we made lunch for everybody so i only had to make lunch one day a week and it was like and i actually would do a better job because you know other people were going to eat it (laughs) and and then you didn't have to think and some of it isn't so much the the doing is it it's the thinking it's the thinking, it's the thinking. It's, it's, and that's where hiring a coach working with somebody yep. looking i mean yeah. and there are a lot of resources online but also it can be overwhelming so to navigate it's so, so much. sometimes like starting with working with a person so that you can get the routines in place yeah. and then you can go out on your own a lot easier afterwards yeah and then i mean yeah, i've totally been in the trenches where i feed the kid the pureed broccoli and they spit it back out at me god forbid they sneeze the problem with that <laughs> one is i cracked up because then there's like a fine mist of green everywhere which i think is hysterical but then you don't really want to encourage them to do that no uh-uh. i used to have to get up and walk away from the night <laughs> so i could laugh <laughs> awesome. i'm like i can't encourage at some point it won't be funny but right it's hysterical. hilarious yeah you know and, you know, all the kids are some, some of the stuff are just not going to like, and that's okay. Yep. Yeah. You know, like, I don't like some things. I try them. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Turns out I will cook some mean Brussels sprouts. Everybody else loves them. I eat them to be a good example. 
I'm not a big fan of green beans. They've grown on me over my 42 years of life. But like, <laughs> generally speaking, there's just one one vegetable. That's it. It's the only one that I'm really like, I could take it or leave it. Like it just they have to be cooked just the way I like them. Otherwise, most of the time, I'm not a big fan. But, you know, that's it. I, I use the air fryer. We call them green yeah. bean fries. And that's yeah. how I make them. They're nice and crispy now. But honestly, like these are the things this is. And I have some friends that I'm willing to I'm starting to teach them to cook. And I've had people test out some of my recipes and I'm happy to to develop some clientele and, and help people learn this yeah. because it's it'd be such a value. It'd be so important. It's just like I mean, that's where if I could split myself in two and it isn't my passion purpose i mean i could talk about food all day long but actually right. getting down in the trenches with people to figure it out like i do a lot of coaching big picture around food and how to integrate it in but you know it's definitely something that that if i could wave my magic wand and give the world mostly the western world because a lot of the rest of the world they know how to cook because they have to because that's the only way they eat but for the, the Western world is that we go back to cooking and actually, I mean, there's so many components that also you can get into the sociology of what it does for family, what it does for relationships, so many aspects of it. And it yeah, is. it takes time. It does. Mm -hmm. There was actually but a point maybe in there's time a value where, in that. Yeah. And there was a point in time where the only thing that we did was all of our actions all day long were to feed ourselves. That's well, used to be how it was. Why. And if I had to go collect it and cook it and eat it, that's all I would do. Yep. Because there's no time for anything else. Yep. And I mean, we've honestly, really come a long way in an amazing way, but we've walked away in modern society from some core things that actually nourished us at every level, nourished us emotionally, mm -hmm. nourished us relationally, yep. nourished us in so many. I mean, like, it's not super great to have the dinner table be the only place you check in with your kids. They start to resent you for it. But at the same time, it <laughs> is a chance to actually get in their world and find out what's going on with them. They might just yeah. open up and share. Like you never know and what's they gonna do. come out of their mouth. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, we do it because we were like, okay, this is, you know, it's the right thing. And I didn't realize that my kids actually were registering this until my oldest said something about fall is the time when we sit around the dinner table and chit chat. And I was like, I had no idea you actually noticed and liked it. We just made you do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's awesome. I mean, you know. Yep. I mean. Good. Ah, this is such a big topic. And thank you so much for your contribution to it. And like, I mean, we'll have your contact information will be in the show notes on the website. Yeah. So people can get a hold of you. And I can't say enough about like it, anybody would have the chance to get to work with you on this level. It would be incredible because your knowledge and your willingness and how you aren't coming from, I mean, protocols are helpful, but sometimes that's tough because they don't fit into your life. So getting to work with somebody one-on-one -on -one who can help actually look at like what it is for you and what you're dealing with and what's yeah. going to have it work for your family. And so many of my clients who have autoimmune disease or they've got major GI stuff, they yep. have hormone imbalances, like we're going to have a hard time healing it if they don't take on food and food is impacts the whole family. So like how it to does. navigate that. Yeah, it is. And then it's complicated and it's overwhelming. I have friends of mine just found out they had their son, their five-year-old has Crohn's mm. and she doesn't cook. So I was like, okay, well, let's do some research on Crohn's happy food. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know that one, but I bet we can figure it out. And if we can figure out those components, then we know where to go. Yeah. And it's going to be cool know. because as they take it on for their kiddo, 
they're going to see it shift in everybody. And it's like, it's pretty awesome. That's what they yeah. said. And I was yeah. like, you're going to be pleased, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a thing. And, and once you establish that habit, it's just part of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's so much that I run on automatic now, but it came after a lot, a lot of years of building the muscle mm-hmm. and building the habits and it is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I could talk to you forever, but we should probably complete the episode. So thank probably. you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for being here Thanks and sharing everything. And yeah, I look forward to seeing how things evolve for you. Yeah. I'm super curious. I mean, it could be great. I, I, I really like helping people. So if that helps people, then rock on. Awesome. All right. Until we get to do it again. Yes. All right. Take care. Thank you so much to today's guest, Liz Lund, for her authenticity and joy. For all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. And as always, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Okay, guys, it's 2023. What does that mean? Well, as much as I may want to resist going with the ye old New Year's resolutions, I do find that in January, I have a renewed sense of energy and desire to make some changes and get back on or just get on for the first time, the horse of health and well-being. Now, in the midst of our seventh season of Heal, I wanted to check in with you, my audience. What do you need now in your healing journey? What are your goals? What are you struggling with, dealing with, or even resigned to that you don't think will ever change? What has been there lingering in the background that you just don't want to drag into yet another year? I want to hear from you. I want to connect and be sure that we are delivering on the topics of information and inspiring stories to support you in your healing journey. When Kendra and I first crafted the idea for Heal, it definitely came out of my personal desire to put as much goodness and possibility of health and healing out into the world. And not actually here just to entertain you. My true heart's desire is that this show makes a difference in your life and supports you to take action to live health and heal. Also, I want to be sure that you know, I have a comprehensive deep dive medical health consulting practice where I meet with my clients virtually from all over the world, and I have room for you. Many people ask me if I'm taking new clients, and while I love that y'all think I'm book solid 100% of the time, actually, I want you to know I am available. I offer a free 30-minute exploration conversation to anyone interested in working with me to learn more about each other and how my approach may make a difference for you. Commonly, I work with people dealing with hormone issues, gut and digestive issues, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disorders, mold toxicity, chronic allergies, migraine headaches, insomnia, and people who have dealt with chronic anxiety and depression looking to support their body's biochemistry in addition to healing their emotional and mental challenges. While that may seem like quite a list, most of those diseases are connected and disorders are connected. So we will bridge the gap to bring it all together to elevate your health and your well-being and get your life back. I have a deeply intuitive and scientific-based approach. Yes, both. I bridge the worlds of coaching, spiritual energy healing, and doctoring to bring you the best tools you need to get your life and your health back as efficiently and effectively as possible. 
The early months of the new year come with an increasing light each day, bringing new vision, new motivation, and new energy. As the seeds you planted last summer and fall, deep beneath the soil are slowly waking up and gathering their power to sprout new futures this spring. This is the perfect time to take new action and create health and a pathway to healing. I'm here for you. If you have felt called to find out more about the possibility of working together, please reach out on my Connect page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com, and let's talk. Also, please contribute to the show with guest ideas or topic ideas or how-to guides or whatever it is that is going to make a difference for you this year in 2023. What do you want to learn about? What do you want to know about? What are you dealing with? You can shoot us an email on that same page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com slash connect. I love you guys. Heal wouldn't exist without you. Thanks so much.